0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. You can be seated. I don't want you to have to stand for this 45-minute sermon I'm about to preach. We're we're in a series right now uh, called Christmas Past, which is taking us on the the other side of, of Christ's birth from where we presently are. So we're looking at the events, the prophecies, the, the, the foreshadowing, the details that are laid out in the Old Testament that's preparing us to, to see once again that the promised one has come. Who is Christ going to be? Who is this Messiah going to be? What is he going to accomplish on our behalf? So if you would, would you turn with me, please, the Old Testament book of Micah, the small book of Micah. I'll give you about 10 minutes to get there. It's found in the Old Testament. It's Jonah, Micah, Nahum. It's seven books from the end of the Old Testament, if that helps. So if you want to find Matthew and just hook a left for seven books, it's one of the minor prophets. A minor, not because what Micah said was of minor value or inconsequential. In fact, the exact opposite. But the length of the book is, is short as compared to the major prophets of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and, and Daniel. Uh, Micah is writing this about 600 years before the coming of Christ, and so 600 years before that first Christmas. And remember, prophets are, are the mouthpieces of God speaking to the people of God. Let me give you a little context of what's happening here in Micah, maybe to give some of y'all even more time to find the book of Micah. Uh, the book of Micah is not chronological like a lot of the, the, the prophets, uh, so it's, it's not linear. He does not write in a linear way that we're so accustomed to here in the West. In fact, he kind of cycles through the same two topics, but he does it three times. So he prophesies over the course of 50 years, Micah does. And in that 50 years, he basically preaches three sermons over and over, three mini-sermons inside the 50 years that he has. And he has the same outline for all the sermons. Sermon number one is judgment and hope. Sermon number two is judgment and hope. Sermon number three, you can guess, judgment and hope, uh, uh, he's not much more if not predictable here. So basically, Micah 1 and 2 is, is judgment. Micah 3 is hope. Micah 4 is judgment. Micah 5 is hope. Micah 6 is judgment. And then the last chapter, Micah 7 is, is hope. Lucky for us, we're in Micah 5 today, so we get to look at hope. Uh, we're going to see the second sermon of, of Micah, or a portion of this second sermon. And it is phenomenal and it's precision and breathtaking in the scope of this shepherd king that Micah is going to describe to us. So Micah chapter five, let's pick it up here in, in verse one. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With the rod they strike the judges of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is going to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand And shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. Don't don't close your Bibles. Anytime you're walking through the Old Testament, anytime you're walking through the prophets, maybe even more specifically, anytime you're walking through, through the minor prophets, It's easy to get confused because what prophets sometimes do is they talk about things that did happen, uh, things that are about to immediately happen, and they talk about some things that are gonna happen in the future, but at the same time, they may be talking about something that's gonna happen in in the kingdom of God on the new heaven and new earth, and so it's kind of hard to kind of follow them sometimes, and so this is a, a good thing maybe to write down or to remember. We lose our way around the Old Testament if we take our eyes off of Jesus because all the Old Testament is pointing us to Christ. All the Old Testament is about Jesus. I mean, the Old Testament can be complicated at times. It's not incomprehensible, but sometimes it requires like several layers of of looking deeper and deeper. But if you read the Old Testament just for history or just for culture or just for poetry or just for epic stories or literary purposes or, or, or mere human narratives, then you've missed the entire essence Of the old testament because really the entire bible is about jesus in the old testament jesus is predicted in the gospels he's revealed in in acts he's preached in the epistles he's explained in revelation he's expected so we must keep before us at all times when we're in god's word as we walk through scripture especially the old testament we need to fix our eyes on jesus and even ask ourselves where is jesus on this page Where is Jesus in in this story? So let's see what's happening here in this passage. Let's see what God would show us today in this passage. So verse one, Micah chapter five, verse one, foreigners have besieged Jerusalem. They have surrounded Jerusalem. Thus, she needs to rally the troops you see there. And for you to know the rallying or the mustering of these troops is gonna be to no avail. The siege here is the siege by Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonians have come. And the king of Judah at that time is Zedekiah. And so in fact, the, the judge that's referenced here in verse one, the judge of Israel is referencing to, to the king, the king Jedekiah. It says here that, that, that a rod would, would strike him on, on the cheek. And certainly that, that happened. The Babylonians uh, captured Zedekiah's two sons as they were fleeing. They made, all the way to, they made it all the way to Jericho and they were killed by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians captured Zedekiah, that they, they gouged out his eyes, that they, they put chains on him, and they led him back to Babylon where he would die in prison. Uh, we have all of that because of Jeremiah chapter 52 tells us that entire story. So it's a very humiliating defeat that the nation of Judah cannot defend herself. They have to wonder at this point God, where are you? Uh, where, where are your promises? Where's your hope? You told us that we would be your covenant people. Verse two, very first word, but. Such a powerful turnaround word in the middle of humiliation, in the middle of defeat, in the middle of death. And here comes the hope. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah. Now this might be a surprise to some who were hearing this sermon because they thought that everything good was gonna come out of Jerusalem. But here's Bethlehem, a little Bethlehem. There were actually two Bethlehems Some scholars actually think that there are three Bethlehems, and Bethlehem Ephrata was the smallest of the two Bethlehems we know of for certain, and probably was even smaller of the the third one that they're guessing about. But this is where King David was born. The only significance to Bethlehem Ephrata was that King David was born there, a shepherd and a king. And now out of Bethlehem, Micah says, would come one who would rule, but this ruler would be eternal. So Micah's not speaking here of some mortal man, some mortal king. No, this ruler would be the ancient of days. This is what it says in verse two, if, or if you will, older than all the days themselves. There's no one else in, in history that fits this description outside of Jesus Christ. A, a ruler with no beginning, a ruler with no end. There was never a time when Jesus was not. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Jesus has existed eternally. He simply came to us at Christmas. So Jesus has always been, we see this description here in verse two of chapter five. He is the one who has been from the very beginning. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is is beyond the ancient of days. So Christ has always existed. He simply came to us at Christmas. So in 15 days, when you wake up on that Monday morning, on Christmas morning, don't just celebrate the fact that that a baby came, celebrate the fact that the ruler of the universe came. The Ancient of Days has come, the King of all creation has come, the Sovereign of heaven and earth has come, the Lord over all creation has, has come. He just chose to come as a baby because Bethlehem could not have handled him otherwise, nor could we. We would not have known him if he would have come in all of that glory. We not, would not have wanted to approach him if he came as the sovereign of heaven and earth, the, the, the king in splendor. Instead, he came as a baby. Now, the chief priests and the scribes over in the New Testament, they, they knew this. They knew that Micah 5 was in reference to the Messiah. So they told King Herod, so now jump in your mind to the New Testament, that they told the king that this ruler would come from Bethlehem. That's why God had to see fit that even though Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth when she got pregnant, that they're gonna have to travel to to Bethlehem to be born in Bethlehem. He had to be born in Bethlehem because the ruler here is Jesus out of Micah chapter five. We don't have time to turn there, but just look on the screen behind me because Matthew, the gospel writer writes about this in Matthew chapter two, uh, verses one through six where he writes, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Verse three says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, of course he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because there's now been born a king of the Jews. Not just that, he has his own star. We saw his star when it rose And now these wise men, these men of wisdom, these probably political diplomats, they have come now to worship him. And so the the king is very troubled, but not just the king. It says here in all of Jerusalem with him. So Herod, assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he, Herod, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Listen to what they said. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And it wasn't just the, the chief scribes. It wasn't just the, or the, the, the chief priests and the scribes who knew this. It was also the understanding of, of the people there in Israel. Look on the screen again. John chapter seven, verses through 42. John writes this. When they heard these words... What are these words? Jesus had just said, I am the living water. And if if you come to me, you will never thirst again. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet, capital P. This is Elijah. Others said, no, no, this is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. This is the Christ. But some said, isn't the Christ, is he he really to come from Galilee? Because they knew that Jesus had come from Galilee. Verse 42, this guy gets it right. Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was born? So both the leaders and the people knew That Micah chapter five predicted the coming of the Messiah, the ruler who would be the king over Israel, but oh, so much more than just the king in Israel. Verse three is kind of interesting. He shall give them up. Uh, This is God giving over his people in, in judgment. This is God's covenant people, the Jews, being given over because they were disobedient. But once Christ is born, see this in the middle of verse three, once she who is in labor gives birth, this is speaking of Mary, this is speaking of the virgin, there will be a merciful invitation to come back to God now through this Christ. In other words, verse three, the rest of his brothers will return. Uh, This is Micah's way of saying that many in Israel, many of the Jews, many of God's covenant people, they will come to this Christ. Now, Paul says the exact same thing over in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, that Israel will be saved. Then in verse four, we get, I believe, one of the most descriptive, most powerful pictures of this coming Christ. Uh, let's see four things. Some of you note takers here today, just be ready for four things. Four things here that I pray will, will stir your affections for Jesus as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so we can rightly celebrate the reason for Christmas that, that a shepherd king has come. First thing we see in verse four, this king shall stand and will shepherd his flock. This king shall shall stand and will be a, a shepherd. You know, most kings in those days, you can probably picture this in some movies that you have seen before. Most kings in those days, they they were lying around. They, they, they lied around waiting for people to serve them. They weren't standing, they were seated or they were reclining. And people would come to them and make requests or they'd bring food to, to the king or the king would summon people to them and they'd walk in and he'd be seated on his throne or, or reclining at, at a table. But that's not the picture here of, of, of Christ, the, the, the Messiah, this coming king, won't, won't lie around waiting for us to serve him. No, he'll be standing. He, he's alert. He's working for those who trust him as a shepherd. He will not leave us to find our own food. Instead, he will lead us to, to green pastures. He will lead us beside the still waters. There will be no unmet need in this Messiah, in Christ Jesus. So He's the almighty king. We see this here in verse four. He, he's standing over, over the universe, but he's also the tender shepherd standing over your heart and standing in, in the midst of our lives, leading us and guiding us and nurturing us, caring for us, his sheep. Uh, this, is, this is a good thing to remember, Highland family, brothers and sisters in Christ, our role in Christianity is not to be the shepherd, our role is to be the sheep, to, to trust the good shepherd as he leads us throughout our lives. The second thing we see here in verse four is this king shall rule in the strength and in the majesty of the Lord. In, in the strength and the majesty of the Lord, his God. Now, in your Bible, the word Lord should be all caps, uh, which is the name Yahweh. So this king, the, the shepherd's gonna come and he's gonna operate in the strength of God himself. So all of Jesus has good plans and purposes for us. They're not gonna be hindered at all by lack of his strength because the strength of the Lord is is complete strength. It It is absolute strength. And so this ruler, this Christ, this promised one, this Messiah, he is gonna operate in, he's gonna stand in, he's gonna shepherd in, he's gonna rule in the strength and the majesty of the Lord. Therefore, Christian, this is good news for us. If you're trusting Jesus Christ as your savior, you have in you the strength of God. So all we have to do is just walk behind Jesus like trusting sheep, because he's the overcomer. This shepherd king operates in the strength of Yahweh. He is not independent from the Lord. He's not outside of the Lord. He operates in the strength and the majesty of God himself. Thirdly, this king shall be great to the ends of the earth. And do you see this in verse four? For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. In other words, this coming Messiah, this this coming king was not just a tribal king. Uh, not just a king for the people of Israel. He would be the king over every other king. He would be the Lord over every other Lord, and he would be great to to the very ends of the earth. So not just great in Israel, not just great in in Judah, but great in in all of of the nations. Uh, There would be no pockets of of resistance that were um, unsubdued by this king. And Christian, let me just bring this back home to, to you today. Our eternal security cannot be threatened by any outside forces because this king is great to the ends of the earth. In fact, one, so great that one day he will return and every knee will bow. Every tongue across this earth will proclaim that he is the Lord. The whole earth will be filled with, with his glory, this king shall be great to the ends of the earth. Fourthly, we see this at the very beginning of verse five, this king shall be our peace. I mean, isn't this what we're all looking for? Peace, peace in the midst of strife, peace in the middle of the, of the craziness that's in our world today, in our nation today. And this is what all Waco is looking for, peace with God, peace with their past. Uh, There was a book written several years ago called Five Minutes Peace, Five Minutes Peace. And it was a story about an elephant, about a mama elephant and and her three little elephant kids. And she was sitting at at the breakfast table one day, this is not a true story, sitting at the breakfast table one day and was just thinking, man, my, my three kids, they're busy and, and and they're loud. I just, I, I need five minutes of of peace. And so she turned to her elephant babies and said, "I'm gonna go take a bath. Like I, I just need five minutes of of peace. Would you just stay in here? You, I, you need. I just need five minutes. I, I I need you to not be around me for five minutes. I just need five. Mamas, amen. Any mamas in here understand? Like just just five minutes of peace is all I need. So she went got in the bathtub, again, this is not a documentary, got in the bathtub and uh, she was taking a bath, had been there for two minutes, three minutes, and all of a sudden the the door was kicked in by by her three elephant babies. And and one walked in with a recorder, was playing a recorder. The second brought a a book and said, Mama, would would you read this book to me? The third, the youngest one, just brought all the toys in and dumped them in the bathtub where where the mama elephant was. In exasperation, she gets up, she dries off, she goes, y'all just go to your rooms. I just need five minutes of peace, So she goes back to, to the breakfast table and she is in there and just enjoying the quietness, enjoying the stillness. And, and it's been one minute, it's, it's been two minutes, it's been three minutes. All of a sudden, her little baby elephants, they, they, they come down the, 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 the hallway and, and one's playing the recorder, one has a book, saying, mom, would you read this book to me? The, the other one just, just dumps its, its toys all on the kitchen floor and, and the mom is exasper- exasperated. She goes, can I not just get five minutes of peace? And then the book's over. It's kind of a tragedy, actually, when you think about it. Like, that's all there is to, to, to the book. So there's not, like, some happy ending. I'm not sure she ever got five minutes of peace at all. So I'm not recommending the book to you. I'm just telling you that's what happens in, 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 in the book. However, all of us probably in this room at some point or another can just say, man, can I just have some peace? Like some peace in my world, some peace in my heart, some peace in my mind, some peace in my family, some peace in my relationships, some peace at school, some some peace at work. Well, here's the good news. This king, this shepherd king has come not to give you peace for five minutes, but to give you peace for eternity, to give you peace deep within, a peace that abides, a peace that resides. This shepherd king would come and he would be our peace, this prince of peace, has come. The last thing I have for you is this. What Micah expected, you can experience. In other words, Micah told us about this promised one that's gonna come to, to be a shepherd, to be a king. All that Micah could do as he preached this sermon three times over basically is to say one day hope was gonna come. One day hope was going to arrive. One day hope would be born. But you see, sisters and brothers, you and I live on the other side of the arrival of hope. Hope has come. This shepherd has come. This king has come. And, and, and non-believer, non-Christian skeptic here today, you can put your life and your trust and your faith in this shepherd king. And you can delight in the fact that he's your shepherd, he's your king, he's your peace. He'll stand in the midst of your life. And he'll guide you and he'll direct you as a tender shepherd does. But those who are in Christ Jesus today i have got great news for you. You can delight even in this Christmas season that the king has come and this shepherd lives within you. And he guides and he directs and he, he takes his stand and he brings peace even in the middle of the storms around us. This is our king our king and our shepherd has come. Would you stand with me, please, for us to pray together? Father, we thank you for for Christmas past, for the expectation that, that Micah and the people of Israel had for a promised one, a Messiah, a shepherd king who would come and would take his stand and would shepherd his people that his name would be great to the ends of the earth and that he would be our peace, even in the middle of distress and and death and judgment all around. Christ, you are our peace, but you are our peace because you are our King, the ruler of all, the ruler over all, not just a tribal king in, in Israel, but the King to the ends of the earth king over our lives, the king over our situations. And so we praise you today as king. We thank you today that you're our shepherd and that you are our peace. In the name of peace himself, this king, this shepherd who has come for his people, we pray. Amen. So we're gonna sing a, a song of celebration, a, a song of joy of this shepherd, this King who has come. And the invitation for you is if you wanna come and just leave your seat and come and kneel here at the front and maybe lay some things before this King, maybe ask this shepherd to, to guide your heart. Uh, you don't have to come forward, but was something about kneeling before this King and, and having other people come and pray over you and pray, pray for you and, and partner with you in prayer. We have some staff members that'll be at the front as well. If you today wanna give your life to this King, surrender your life and your heart to this King, to this shepherd who loves you. Uh, You can do that even today to believe upon this King for life. For many of us today, let's just take this opportunity to to sing to this King together. The King who has come, who has arrived to, to shepherd our lives and to shepherd our hearts. Let's sing and won't you please come.